This is the Let's Go Win Podcast with your host, J.M. Ryerson. There it is. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to a Tuesday tune-up on the Let's Go Win Podcast, where we are here to help you be happy, healthy, and wealthy. I will say really quick before I introduce our guest, I am in the middle of a four-day water fast, if you will. So the brain's firing and yet misfiring at times. So just bear with me, but I'm really excited because the gentleman I'm going to bring on today, we're going to be talking about leadership. We're going to be talking about giving power back to more than just at the very top. And I'm so passionate about this subject. And the gentleman that I'm bringing on is an expert at this. Kevin Hancock is the managing owner and chairman of one of America's oldest family businesses, as well as an award-winning author and nationally recognized public speaker. Established in 1848, I did not mispronounce, 1848, Hancock Lumber Company is led by its 720 employees. Hancock Lumber is a nine-time recipient of the Best Places to Work in Maine Award. The company is also a recipient of the Maine Family Business of the Year Award, the Governor's Award for Business Excellence, the Pro Sales National Dealer of the Year Award, and the Maine Retailer of the Year Award. Kevin, you have been busy in 1848, brother. That is remarkable. Welcome to the show. JM, thank you. I'm happy to be with you. Well, I am so glad that you are here. Um, Tell me, 1848, you don't hear this often. It's the oldest company that I think that I can think of that I've done the podcast with. Maybe there's one out of Vermont. But either way, it's it's tremendous, and it's in your family. That's one heck of a legacy, brother. There's there's some some amazing uh, you know, pressure, I would imagine some, some, some clout that you have some, uh, there's a lot to, to kind of hold up your end of the bargain. I, I guess that's where I'll start. W- what are your thoughts on that, man? No, you got it. JM. It's uh it's an amazing gift and an amazing responsibility at the same time. It's the yin and yang. It's both at once. If, you look at the oldest companies in America, most of them are in the Northeast, and a lot of them are in traditional industries, like in our case, lumber. Yeah, and I guess what I would say is it's amazing to have a family business that that you get to keep that name going. It's been around this long, but there's got to be the pressure side is what I'm asking because I'm just so curious because you've seen your dad, I'm guessing your grandfather, not to say maybe it's the females as well. I didn't mean to go just males, but whomever kept that legacy going, you have this idea of like, okay, it's my turn now to not only keep the company going, but to help it keep to thrive. What's that been like for you, man? Because the, I, I I don't have that background, but it's fascinating to me that you get that opportunity to really keep the Hancock name going, both with that company and what you're doing outside of it. Yeah, it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride across a thirty plus year career. You know, I remember back in around two thousand and eight when the national housing and mortgage markets collapsed, 
that was a brutal time for any company in our industry, ours included. And, and it was definitely stressful. So there is pressure that comes with it. But at the end of the day, you know, you get up, you go to work and you focus on the future. You know, you got to really look ahead and you don't have a lot of time to think about the big picture context of it all. You know, we're really proud of our company's history, but it's always what we do next that matters most. Yeah. And I, what you and I were talking off air, one of the things I imagine helps with that is the people you surround yourself with. Again, Hancock may be the name on the company, but you've talked about the people you talked about, you know, leadership and and some of your principles and philosophies. Can you share with me kind of what that looks like? Because I am a huge advocate of leadership. I love it. It's my passion. And what you said off air, I was like, oh, this is awesome. So what does that look like for you and your company? Because you said giving more power to, to the people on your team and yet your name's on that building. That that, that seems almost counter, you know, intuitive to some people. It's like, don't you want that power at the top? But that's not your leadership philosophy. And I love that. Yeah, let me tell you a quick story about how I how I got there. Back in 2010, at, at the peak of the housing and mortgage market collapse, I suddenly had trouble speaking, something I'd always taken for granted and always done a lot of. It turned out I'd acquired a rare voice disorder called spasmodic dysphonia, which I largely cured, even though they call it incurable. But at the time, I literally couldn't talk. There is no way I would have been on this show. So there I am trying to help the company through a difficult economic time without being able to use my voice. So people would come up to me at work. I'll give you an example with a question or a problem. And and prior to my voice condition, I always would have given an answer, a directive, or an instruction. But now to protect my voice, I started saying things like, that is a good question. What do you think we should do about it? <laughs> he or she would then tell me, and then I would say, that sounds good. Let's go do that. And off he or she would go owning their solution to their problem. Now, what struck me there, JM, that really transformed the way I thought about leadership was having watched those exchanges hundreds of times. Here's what I recognize. People already knew what to do. They actually almost never needed a top-down management-centric directive. What they really needed was the encouragement and the cultural safety to trust their own voice. And over time, my voice condition, which I initially only thought of as a liability or quite literally a pain in the neck, I said, well, maybe it's an invitation. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's a blessing to lead differently in a way that gives 
other people a stronger voice. And I've been doubling down on that approach now for over a decade. And it really has transformed both the work culture at our company and the performance of the company itself. Boy, I absolutely love that. Not that you went through the voice, the challenge, and I'm sorry I didn't catch the exact name, but I'll I'll have you repeat that. But the fact that you learned this amazing lesson of really empowering people around you, because as you said, they know the answer or they have the capabilities, but often we put these restrictions on people and they come to the leader and we're going to give them everything they need. That's not helping the company grow. So to take that, and I'm going to use air quotes, weakness, quote unquote, that you weren't able to use this powerful voice that I'm sure you always had and all this knowledge to say, you know what, that's a great question and just let them run with it. I, I What a beautiful thing to happen. Yeah, and the timing is ripe for it. You know, I really think humanity is ready for a much different approach to leadership and a much different approach to what a work experience can and should be like. Uh, let's go win. I was thinking about that before coming on your show, and I and I've really come to believe that in the 21st century, winning isn't winning unless everybody's winning. So the way you create a great company is first to make sure the people who work there are having a great experience. And if they're having a great experience, they're going to take world-class care of the customer and the company itself. And, and we've been in pursuit of that path for well over a decade. So it's not just something like I've written about or thought about. I've actually seen it in corporate action. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and I agree with you, man. That's the, you know, let's go win. I, it is this, it's not a top wins and everybody gets the crumbs. It's like when everybody's winning, there's an, we're an abundant world and clearly your, your family, your company knows that to last through all the trials and tribulations through the year. You guys have clearly embraced that. I want to shift gears for just a second, Kevin, because I always feel that when really tough, adverse things happen to us, there there's gifts there. And I guess that would be what you're talking about with your voice where, gosh, what I know, who I am, this powerful, strong thing that I've had forever, now it's gone. And I could be a victim and that sucks, but it sounds like you really found that gift. Talk to me about your mindset when this happened, when the doctor says, hey, Kevin, you have this, not debilitating because it's not, but this, this challenge with your voice and it's not repairable, you said, even though you've done the work and clearly it, it is. But tell me where your mindset was when that happened, when that doctor first said, you are faced with this. Yeah, it really threw me for a loop. I'd always taken the ability to speak for granted and never really realized the obvious that as a 
CEO, my voice was my primary tool and suddenly I couldn't use it. So at first, it really threw me off. But over time, I started looking at how it was inviting me to change, how it was how it was evolving my approach to leadership, how that was impacting positively others in our company and our performance. And I said, oh my goodness, of course, this is actually a, a gift. It allowed me to see the world differently. Uh, you know, thoughts drive behavior and behavior drives performance. So if we want a different outcome, we've actually first got to take on different thoughts. And to your point, Jam, I think this happens a lot in life. What feels like hardship and on one level is, is also often an invitation to evolve and learn to see ourselves and the world around us differently. Without different thoughts, we never get different behavior or different performance. Yeah, man, I, I want to go on this word for a second because the word evolve, when I think of a company that, again, has survived through all of this, um, it really is remarkable. As you said, you, you existed before the cannonball, I think you, you gave as an example. But the word evolve and, and, and really being open, having that growth mindset, which really wasn't coined, that, that term wasn't coined until you know less than 20 years ago by Carol Dweck. But clearly your company, your family, your leadership, you guys have really embraced this idea and said, look, times are going to change. We're going to go through World War I, two. I mean, everything that you guys went through Talk to me about that word evolve and what that's meant to you, your, your company, your, your, all the, the members of your company, because clearly it's something that you guys have embraced and thrived in. Yeah, no, right. So when you're part of a company that goes back to the 1840s, I like to think about what we were doing in the 1840s. So there would have been men in the woods uh, handling double-ended hand saws, cutting trees that we would have then dragged to a river by oxen. <laughs> and today we're a, a high-technology company. So when you look at, at corporate evolution in big increments of time, the change is obvious. But of course... That uh, change, invitation to change and, and evolve and improve is in front of us all the time. And I think part of uh, really taking advantage of that is creating a safe work culture where people are willing to take risks, experiment, 
that know when we make a mistake that that's actually a learning, that that actually is forward progress. One of my favorite books ever is uh, John Maxwell's Failing Forward. And when you make it safe for people to kind of lean into the future, you um, you get there quicker, as simple as that, as that sounds. Yeah, and I, Gallup did a poll not all that long ago, and it said 71% of employees are currently disengaged. Now, that means of 10 people walking by, only three are really liking what they're doing. But the culture of your company, I've never been there, but just the chance to speak with you, to hear you know, what your bio is saying, you, ha- you talk about helping people feel trusted, respected, valued, seen and really recognized, what would you offer to people to say, gosh, I wish every company would really go out of their their way to show this kind of love and appreciation for these valuable people that are continuing to keep this company going and really helping it, you know, continue on because I don't see that at most companies. It, It, there's often that recognition piece is the biggest thing lacking. So what does that feel like and look like in your company, Kevin? Yeah, great question. I'll um, I'll address it this way. Most companies get, as you know, whatever they consistently prioritize. So if a company is not getting high levels of engagement, is not getting raving fans at work and is not creating a great work environment. It's only because it's not prioritized. Everything you need to know to create a great work culture is taught in kindergarten. (laughs) Everything you need to know about how to listen, how to be respectful, how to share, how to take turns, all of all of that. I, I, I stood up about a decade ago in front of a group of our biggest customers, JM, and I said, you know that old saying, the customer comes first. I don't actually believe that's true anymore. Our entire sales team was in the back of the room and they were sweating when I said this. They're like, where is it going with this? (laughs) But I went on to explain myself. I said, here's what I do believe. I believe the people who are going to take care of the customer come first. And if a company were to take world-class care of their employees, those people will take world-class care of the customer. Our engagement um, metric at Hickok Lumber today is 90%, So nine out of 10, two and a half times the national average. And the real key is as simple as this, two parts. One, we prioritized it and we stuck with it. And two, as leaders, we learned to stop talking and create platforms for their voices to be heard. And in that critical, we then changed the very purpose of listening. We said for us, 
listening is going to be for understanding, not judgment. If you were in one of our huddles sharing a thought and I was facilitating that huddle, when you finished, I would say, JM, thank you for sharing that. I don't need to validate it. I don't need to refute it. I'm just going to honor you um, daring and caring to share your truth. And when you make it safe for people to say what they think, you get then what I call the answers to the test. They'll tell you (laughs) exactly where the company is wrong and exactly where it has opportunities to improve. Yeah, brother, I love what you said, uh, especially that, right? You don't have to retort. You don't have to validate. You just thank you for sharing. I, I think that's beautiful. The thing that you said about learning this in kindergarten, this is what's crazy to me. People call them soft skills. And I think that's why people are so, you can't be soft in business. If you're not, if you're soft in business, you're not going to survive. But that's the truth, isn't it, brother? Like these soft skills, quote unquote, the ability to listen, seek to understand, really care about someone that you work with. That's what makes it all work. That's the magic in the stew. And yet, for some reason, most companies have forgotten that, brother. I just wish everybody heard heard what you said. And and we're going to do our best to push this out so everybody heard that because Every skill needed was learned in kindergarten. Just listen to what Kevin said. It's beautiful. I love how you picked you picked up on how you picked up on that. You know, for way too long, we felt like when we get to work, we need to, for some crazy reason, leave uh, love and empathy and care for others in the coat rack. But it's re- it's re- why it doesn't make any sense and and so i'm really on a crusade to bring spirit love humanness back into the plates of work and when you do that a company's statistical performance is going to get sharper our accuracy our attention to detail, elimination of rework, whatever you want to measure, it gets tighter. People don't have to be in afraid and and stoic to perform at elite levels. In fact, it's just the opposite. That that stoicness, that lack of humanity, is what makes companies not great places to work and 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 not great performers brother so well put uh i can't believe how fast time has run by what didn't i know enough to ask you kevin that i should have known and you're like jane we got to share this before we wrap this thing kind of up what is one open form that i maybe i just missed brother because you have so much wisdom and knowledge i want to make sure we get it all in there well, you're you're very kind, but you touched on what's on my mind right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to it. Um, what if everybody on Earth felt trusted, respected, valued, and heard? What might change? 
everything would change. Mm. Where might we pursue that? Well, you've got to pursue it with adults where they hang out, and a lot of them hang out at work. And pursuing those values at work has the added attribute of dramatically improving the performance of a company. But I now talk about that as a really cool outcome of a higher calling. So so the, the mission is to allow humans at work to soar, and then the company goes to unprecedented heights on the wings of thriving humans at work, and everybody wins back to let's go win, and everybody wins. Uh, brother, I love it, man. I, I got to go on the road with you. you. You just make people feel good, man. If people want to connect with you, Kevin, they want to know more about what you're doing because this is not common values for companies that have been around this long. And here's the thing, not that many companies have been around this long. So this stuff works. Where can they find you, brother? Yeah, got a website devoted to this, everything we talked about today, which is simply called the business of sharedleadership.com. I've got books there. I've got a blog there and you can email me there and I get back to everybody that reaches out to me. So I, I'd love to hear from you. That's brilliant, man. I, I love what you shared today, Kevin. I think it's amazing advice. I really hope everybody shares this with somebody in business, which everyone, you know, there's someone in business because they need to hear it. Brother, thank you so much for taking your time and, and sharing all your wisdom. I loved it, JM. Thanks for giving me a voice today. Well, clearly, you know what power in what he said, guys. He lost his voice and yet found a stronger one. I don't know if there's a more just uplifting thought to that. He lost this powerful thing and yet it made him stronger as a leader. It is absolutely brilliant. I want you to share this out. Make sure everybody hears what Kevin had to say because it's working. Again, 1848. We are now in 2023. That's insane. We are almost 200 years this company. It's remarkable. And his legacy continues on. And he builds it even stronger with these amazing leadership skills. I appreciate all you guys. Until next time, remember your mindset matters. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. That helps us build this community, and that is what we are all about. Building this community as big as we can, helping as many people as we can, and deliver as much value as possible. Be sure to head over to letsgowinpodcast.com for information on my coaching courses, and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Let's Go Win 365. Let's go win and transcend in life. This is the Let's Go Win Podcast with your host, J.M. Ryerson. 